Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. Today's another AMA episode, that is, Ask Me Anything. I love to answer your questions. If you have a question you think is going to be of broad interest, send it in. I'll answer it live on the air. Send your questions to victor at victorjm.com. That's victor at victorjm.com. Today's question comes from William in Northern California who asks, I find myself coming across more development opportunities and I'm needing some better back-of-the-envelope criteria to help separate the wheat from the chaff. Almost every deal requires spending some amount of pre-development money to bring the project into better focus. However, at some point, you should be able to come to a go-no-go decision based on the numbers, after which you would kick the deal or renegotiate the price. So I'd like to know what does your back-of-the-envelope criteria look like in order for you to proceed with a development project? Do you look at the projected equity multiple, internal rate of return, cash-on-cash return, or some other metric? Well, William, this is a great question. We take a project through a complete underwriting process before making a decision to make a major investment. We go through a fairly extensive checklist of due diligence items that can disqualify a project. That checklist is a two-tier checklist whereby the first level involves questions that are designed to kill a project quickly so we don't invest too much money early on in the project on a project that will never work. It doesn't matter if the numbers look good in an Excel spreadsheet if the city's never going to approve the required density in that location. That denial could be for any of a number of reasons. There might not be the road infrastructure to support the number of vehicles required, There might be a shortage of water or sewer or electricity. We might not get the driveway access onto a major arterial road in a location that works for the project. The soil conditions might not be suitable for development. Or maybe the property's in a floodplain. Maybe the cost of bringing in soil is going to be too high and it would threaten the viability of the project. Maybe there's too much bedrock and we would need to blast, dig, and mass grade in order to bury the underground infrastructure. Maybe there's a heritage property on the site or a community overlay district where the community has a direct voice in the land use of the property. All of these things can disqualify a project long before you even get to answer any of the economic questions. When we evaluate a site, we look at the specific submarket. Here too, there's a number of due diligence questions we want to answer before we start looking at spreadsheets. Is the submarket growing? Does the submarket have a critical mass of population? Is there an influx of jobs? What are the amenities in the area? Is there good shopping, schools, and restaurants? What are the rental rates in the market? Are the rental rates high enough to support new construction? Is there a lot of new supply coming into the market? And what constraints exist that might prevent new supply from entering the market? If the market conditions look great today, will they remain stable and will they continue to look great over the medium term or do we expect them to change? If there's competing product that we can point to, Are there examples of similar successful projects in the market? These questions are all just a subset of our checklist, but they give you a flavor of the types of questions we ask ourselves. And if we have the right answers to those questions, then we start to look deeply at the numbers for the project. We want to see a spread between the yield on cost and the market cap rate. It's through that spread that we create profit margin. And by that, I mean we can build a project for, let's say, $70 million, and in the marketplace, that project might be worth in excess of $100 million. Well, there's a $30 million profit margin. If we look at that profit margin as a percentage, that might be good. Or in absolute dollars, that might be good as well. But that margin is essential. It creates safety in the project. If construction costs go up, you're still going to create value and still have a profitable project through the construction. 
we also look to be fairly efficient with the capital. Equity is generally more scarce than debt, so we want to be able to maximize our leverage, but still have a responsible debt-to-equity ratio. That's even more true today than at any time in the past decade with the current rising interest rate environment. We've had to put a number of new projects on hold as a result of higher interest rates. We perform an analysis called residual land value analysis. That starts with the market rent for a proposed product. We construct a complete financial model for the project. We put together the construction cost estimate. We estimate the expenses, the operating costs, the capital reserves, the maintenance reserves. And once we know what that net operating income is going to look like, we'll then start to look at the capital structure for the project. And at the very end of this lengthy process, we determine what the land is worth in order to meet our financial criteria. Questions of IRR and equity multiple are interesting, but they can vary based on how you structure and package the investment offering for your investors. That has less to do with the underlying project and more to do with how you offer the deal to your investors. We look at the other players in the market. Is the market too concentrated in a small number of developers? Is the market accepting of new entrants? Is there a vibrant market for sale of completed projects? Is there a rich choice of lenders willing to lend in that location? So there's a lot of variables that go into determining whether a project looks viable. Failing any one of these is enough to kill a project. And I know in your initial question you asked for a quick rule of thumb. And unfortunately, I don't think that quick rule of thumb exists. We go through a fairly complete and lengthy underwriting process. That lengthy process is required to get to a yes. So we either have a very quick no and maybe a slow yes. We'll never, almost never have a quick yes because there's simply too many questions to be answered. I want to thank you, William, for a fabulous question. And for the listeners at home, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow. Tomorrow.